Hey there, and welcome back to Take One, the podcast where we read one, just one page of Talmud a day. Our guest today, again, a repeat guest, my revered teacher, Shira Hecht Kohler. Hello. Hi, it's great to be here. And so, you know, yesterday we had uh, this, this sort of like rollicking and meaningful conversation, and yet here we are. So I've come across this one really thorny passage that I really want your help unpacking because I, I could sense that there's some deeper meaning hidden there. I'm just not sure what. Let me read this to you. We learned in the Mishnah, Rabbi Yeshua ben Korcha said, Why did the portion of Shema precede that of Vahaya im Shamoah? So that one will first accept upon himself the yoke of the kingdom of heaven and only then accept upon himself the yoke of the mitzvot or the commandments. Let, let, unpack this for us. Yeah, it's a, a really uh, interesting thing to unpack. I think because specifically on this stuff, it's mired and mixed up with a lot of technical kinds of questions. Right. We're in the middle of a discussion about interruptions, hierarchy of people, who comes in, who comes out in the middle of your prayer, in the middle of your tefillah. Who do you agree? Who do you agree at length? Who do you yeah, just kind of say, oh, hey. a digression about fasting and tasting food on fast. I mean, it's just a whole sort of litany of tangents, basically, which is kind of Talmudic. Obviously, this is where we're at. But then we get to this discussion, which is quoted in the Mishnah earlier, but now it's revisiting what is a very weighty discussion, but you wouldn't necessarily feel that weight in the midst of all the other tangents. And so, you know, we come to a question about the internal logic in the order of Shema. Now, step back for a second. If you're saying Shema or you're thinking about Shema, the idea that there are different sections or different paragraphs or there's a different order or there should be a different order is not necessarily even something that you would think about until it was pointed out, right? Rabbi Shuban Karacha says, here is the internal logic. This is why the first paragraph comes first and the second paragraph comes second because the first, um, it, it's important, it's critical to accept upon yourself Kabbalat Oma Chutchamayim, the acceptance of the yoke of heaven before you accept upon yourself Kabbalat O Mitzvah. So first of all, I mean, that seems to make sense, right? First of all, you say, I believe in God, I am under his command. And then you say, well, that being the case, let me accept his commandments. And the commandments, ideally, in that logic, should flow from that acceptance of the yoke of heaven. Now, I think there's a lot to be said here about, like, what is this yoke? Like, what does it mean to accept the yoke of heaven, to obligate yourself in this covenantal relationship, it's thrown in in the midst of so many other pieces that it could get lost. And had it not been the subject of a disagreement, which is what we have here. So the Mishnah is quoted, but then you have a disagreement, which turns out to be resolved and not actually a disagreement, but you have another opinion of um, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai, who says, well, the order is actually different. Um, the logic of the order is actually uh, for a different rationale, right? He agrees this is the order. But for a different reason. And, and I think for that, maybe we should just unpack each of the paragraphs, like where they're coming from, right? Then let me read him. It was taught in the Baraita that Rabbi Shimon ben Yochai offers a different explanation for the order of the portion of Shema. He says, By right, Shema should proceed v'hayayim shamoa because the Shema includes a directive to learn, while v'hayayim shamoa includes a directive to teach. Similarly, v'hayayim shamoa should proceed v'yomer the final paragraph of Shema, because V'hayayim Shema includes a directive to teach, while the portion of ritual fringes includes the directive to perform. So basically he's saying the order is such because 
as one would do in life, first of all, you learn stuff yourself. Then you may teach stuff to others. And then when all that is covered, you could actually perform actions and duties like the mitzvot, the commandments. Exactly. And that's, you know, when you look at each of the paragraphs, so the first paragraph, when it says Shema, it's sort of really referring to that paragraph of V'ahavta, which is from Deuteronomy, uh, chapter 6. And, you know, the second paragraph, also from Deuteronomy, the third, Vayomer, from Numbers, chapter 15, is what would make us think that, hey, wait a minute, this isn't just in the order of how it appears in the Torah, right? It's... Deuteronomy right. 6, Deuteronomy 11, Numbers 15. And each of those paragraphs, had Numbers 15 not been there, we probably would have said, whatever, this is the order that it appears in the Bible. We're following and it sequentially, so, but all exactly. of a sudden it's like but it's two not. from one book and then one from an earlier book. You're like, Afterwards, wait a minute, this is not chronological. Correct. Yeah. So, Sarabi Shimon Bar Yochai comes along and says, well, the logic is determined by what makes sense in terms of how we assimilate information give over that information, and after you assimilate, learn, and give over your information, then you can actually go and, and do, right? You can perform the mitzvot. You can bind yourself with tefillin. You can put on tzitzit. And that is what determines the life. This is a very helpful reminder to many of us who like to go on Twitter and then be experts on subjects we've literally just heard about and opine freely. <laughs> uh, we clearly did not listen to Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai when he said what he said. I think we could do another... 20 minutes, three hours on that point in and of itself. What does it mean to actually like do something flowing from a sense of knowledge and learning and a real depth of understanding? What ends up happening is there's pushback against the position of Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai because the Talmud basically says, wait a minute, doesn't the first paragraph also have teaching? And it gives examples, Vishinan Tam Levanecha, and you shall teach your child. And then the second paragraph also has elements of action, right? Performance of, you know, putting on seed seed. And so at the end of the discussion, it is actually pushed back and they say, well, the first paragraph actually contains all the elements of hmm. teaching, learning and doing. The second just has learning and doing. And the third just has doing. Just so doing. it's not that it's in the order. But all of this is actually just to come as an additional explanation to what I think is probably the more critical position of Rabbi Yeshua ben Karcha, who says, this is about acceptance of something big, something bigger than yourself, whatever that is going to be and how you determine it. And hopefully we'll talk a little bit about that. There ends up, for those who just want the end of the story, bottom line, because that's what we sometimes like to pull out when we're studying Talmud, there isn't a disagreement. It just ends up saying, well, Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai is just giving an additional explanation for the internal logic of the order of these paragraphs. Which again says the overall arching theme here is that you're committing yourself to something larger than yourself. Having accepted that, let us discuss the kind of methodological order in which you need to perform actions, first to learn, then to teach, finally to do, which strikes me as a kind of a, a pretty good metaphor for how the Talmud approaches every question, right? And how the Talmud really wants us to go about and think about things because the book could have easily started off every discussion by saying, this is the problem, this is a solution, and that's all you need to know. And instead, it gives us endless lines of argumentation, which aren't always resolved. Exactly. Uh, for that point, I think it's, it's important for, that we go back for just a moment to the initial position, which is 
accepting upon yourself, right, this covenantal binding to God, or shall we say a more internal binding to myself or to something larger than myself, is weighty. Like these are the great theological questions that are coming through the pages of the Talmud, but the nature of the rabbis and the nature of the Talmud is not to hit you over the head with them and to start this book and say, hey, what does it mean to enter into a covenantal relationship with God? Or it is, no one would go on. Right, or if it did, be like, yeah, I'm, to, I'm already tired. Yeah, like who wants to start with that? Or to say this is, hey, this is about defining your life in parameters that are not just about yourself, right? We live in a society where the self is the supreme being in many ways. And, and people are reluctant to commit to anything. The sense of commandedness, obligation, whether it's in the realm of theology, whether it's in the realm of professions, we flit around. And it's healthy and it's wonderful and it facilitates and fosters the development of an individual. But the idea of like commandedness and obligation is scary. And so had the rabbi started in the nature of this book, um, and this, well, this book, like this whole endeavor, with these questions in such a forthright way, um, it would be overwhelming. And so what we see instead is we have lots of right, details, interesting, critical questions. This whole first section, the first chapter, and now we're in the second chapter already, dealing with Shema and dealing with Tevilah is for the most part, about technicalities. When can we say it? When can we not say it? What if we say it out of order? What if someone comes into the room? What if I need to interrupt? What if I have to go to work? What if I have to bury a dead body? Et cetera, et cetera. And yet, if you unpack it and you look at statements like Rabbi Hoshua ben Karcha, what it's really asking is like, what is at the core of this commandment that we say? And that's a weighty question, and you glean it only through all the details. Now, that's something that we will see. It's worthwhile to you know to say. Now you're in the beginning of Brachot. We're going to see this um, throughout the rest of the Talmud. It's an interesting way to pull out the fundamental questions and assimilate them once you're already in it. Here I think there's, it's actually interesting when we think about acceptance of something big and then the actions flowing from that. We have this model of we're accepting this endeavor, whatever it is. We're jumping into this endeavor and then pulling out in a very carefully curated way, the larger fundamental questions. Which, in a curious way, is sort of the inverse of the way so many of us approach life, right? We're, we're now still close enough to uh, New Year's Day, uh, the day in which traditionally we make resolutions, and often the resolutions are large and they uh, involve these big, bombastic declarations, whereas the Talmud tells us, well, actually, sometimes it's better to start with the minute details and work your way up. Shira Hathkola, thank you so much for joining us. It's a pleasure. Thank you for having me. This was great. This has been Take One, a production of Tablet Magazine. If you enjoyed this show, please go rate and review us on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening to this podcast on. Each week, we'll be releasing new episodes Monday through Friday, covering the entire weekly section of Reading Daf Yomi. I'm your host, Leah Leibowitz. Our producer is Josh Cross. For more information, go to tabletmag.com slash take one or email us at takeone at tabletmag.com. I hope we've made your day a little bit more Talmudic and we'll see you again soon. Mm-hmm.